Welcome to Geek Out Weekly, the podcast where we geek out less strenuously than some on the internet. Although I, I believe we have stronger feelings this week, uh, but we mm. yeah we're we're two we're a group of older nerds who don't have the time nor volition to bother being too uh but we still watch <laughs> nerd stuff and have old and have opinions and a history with genre culture uh i'm adil and this week i'm joined as usual by ben hey uh, so ben do you remember what our homework was this week i do uh, i did it right at the last minute last night because that's me pretty much with any homework that's ever existed for me. Um, yes, it was, as people viewing us on Twitch will see, uh, a lovely image of a golden Gal Gadot, uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Correct. I think. Good. I watched the same thing as you. So we're starting with <laughs> <Good>. one. <well. laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't have as much of a plan this week because I thought maybe we... We both clearly had feelings about this, and I thought maybe mm. we would start with uh, just a quick what you thought of, if you recall what you thought of, of the first one, general thoughts about this, and then we can kind of meander in and out of characters, plotting, editing. And then uh, I think I want to reserve some time to make sure we cover the what we liked about the film because i think mm-hmm. there's it's very easy to, for to get trapped in criticism once you start yes uh, i think we both commented that um that um there seemed there is a good film somewhere in this mm. uh is sort of our main takeaway but uh, i just was curious what your what you thought of like the first wonder woman film um so I, I tried to think of this when the film started up last night and, uh, and I watched it with my wife. So we both sat there and thought, what did we think of the last film? And neither of us could remember what had happened in the first film. And a little bit started to kind of come back and be like, oh yeah, this, this sort of happened. And I think I enjoyed it when I watched it, but I've never returned to it. And it was forgettable enough that I haven't wanted to revisit it before knowing I was going to watch watch this um, and not really thinking I needed to because of that huge kind of jump in um, in time hmm. um, there are a few things which maybe people should know before they go into this sort of characters and, and, and things like that but it's not a, a, a kind of it's not a direct sequel as such it doesn't follow on from the events of the of the first film straight after Um but yeah, the first movie was, I think, enjoyable, but quite forgettable. Yeah, okay, uh, it's interesting. So I really liked it. I thought it mm. had some Act Three problems, particularly like the way they did the final boss fight. It felt like they just yes. needed to have yeah. a fight in a way that, like, if you recall, it was Ares, and he was this odd Ares who was like promoting insidiously promoting peace as a politician to promote war which Mm. was like an interesting message and it sort of jived and like basically the movie was about hope and i thought it came at an interesting time Mm. i really liked it i liked almost all of it except like at three when they sort of hit their when they came back from the war like the the stunning action scenes and hope that came from like where she crossed no man's land like fantastic piece of superhero yep. filmmaking yep. one of the best like just does all the superhero things and is interestingly placed in time etc and then the Ares fight just sort of became a bloated cgi smash them up mm-hmm. um and and i 
I didn't feel like the sacrifice of um Chris Pine. Steve. Steve, yeah, Steve Trevor. Mm-hmm. That's why. My brother was my, my brain was like Trevor, Trevor Noah, no, that's not right. Um Yeah. Was just not I, 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 I it felt very much like a oh we want to do this rather than it we don't want her to be like stuck with this love interest from World War One, and also she mm-hmm. doesn't age, so we'll just like have this self sacrifice. Didn't quite work, but overall, really liked the film. I haven't gone back to it, but now when I think about it, when you said that, I'm like, oh, I haven't gone back to almost any superhero film of the past yeah. seven years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Really liked Guardians of the Galaxy one. I think I watched it once on a in regular and once on a plane kind of thing. But like, yeah. <laughs> for a long time, I've just enjoyed these as like one offs. So. Okay. Um now what did you think of World War 84? <laughs> um it's got some problems. Um I m- most most films have conflict or is that not what you mean? No, not quite. Um I I I think it it summed up my feeling very well with with how I felt with the opening of this film in that the the first well maybe 10 minutes of it is a young diana competing in a a challenge it's it's say. like it, american gladiators triathlon sort of thing yeah yeah against lots of older um competitors um you know young voracious girl it's trying to show how she uh, uh, wants to kind of, you know, not be older, but she wants to do a part. She wants to be a warrior. She wants to be strong and, and, and things. And it, she kind of cheats in the scene. Uh, you know, mm, cheats versus uses a bit of initiative. Uh, was kind of a little bit sort of, a uh, mm, bit of a sticking point for me, but a scene that was completely unneeded. I don't get the point of this scene. Why did the film open with this? Other than just to showcase where she comes from, that was that was kind of it, and then it was never really talked about or even thought of again. Uh, so, so I think this is actually I don't want to jump. Well, I do want to jump the gun because one of my biggest problems with this film is the editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt it's so messy, and there's so many bits and bobs or like that are like tendrils that you could maybe see working, but they just don't. Yeah, and I think this is a good example because. It it ends with the moral of the story ish being like ah uh, yes if you want to be as great as this great warrior who is the statue that raised out of nowhere at the end of the weird fight or competition you need to do it the right way and you didn't do it the right way learn your lesson the truth mm. is you cheated and the truth is really important so so but like it was trying to introduce the notion of the truth. Which, as a philosopher boy, um, as this magic thing in, like, like this integral <laughs> thing as part of the universe, sort of. And mm-hmm. like, it's just true that you cheated. Um, and also, if you want, like, the good warrior respected this thing. And the good warrior has a name. And we later learn more, a little bit more about that warrior later on in the film. Yep. And it's apparently important that she's, going in that legacy but really no unless you like the stinger scene yeah um but yeah it feels like it was trying to introduce that 
but it was so long and bloated mm-hmm. and and again mm-hmm. it didn't feel like she knowingly cheated like i think that's the one thing that sucks like especially when we're talking about the true like you cheated it's like well we didn't get she just sort of lost her horse and it was like shit i gotta get to my horse again and i and what really pissed me off was in that se- sequence she forgets to grab her bow before she goes down the slide yes uh and so she and she misses because of she, the shortcut she took one yeah. of the targets mm-hmm. and they don't even like i feel like on the cutting room floor was a conversation about you didn't hit all the targets you don't get to throw the spear yes and then she's like oh i missed that target cuz i had to catch up to my horse oh you you can't take shortcuts or something some like i know that the audience saw those things it's not that they need to be spoon fed but like the the informational state of the character was really strange because it's like mm-hmm. it wasn't clear she like she she like you're right she was enterprising and it didn't feel like she was the actress didn't seem to be like should I or shouldn't I it's like ah that's a way and then it's like you cheated and that's just true and it's like this really weird harsh notion of true and judgment yes yeah, I, I I agree. Um, I'm just trying to remember the name of the the actress. Uh, I think it's Robin Wright. Yes. Um. Yeah. You say the audience saw these things. How did Robin Wright see these things in this amphitheater type space, where she run up to the top and then be able to look out over them riding their horses and realize kind of what had happened? Um. It 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 seemed just a bit. I don't know. So I get the the idea that they are. Um, you know, that the truth is this important element. And again, that comes back right at the end of the film. Um, when I was watching, I didn't relate it at all to that first scene. Um, but it just, it could have been so much more live and hammered the, that point home in a much better way than it did. You know, completely inconsequential challenge he says because the truth's pretty good right it, yeah. it's, it's you know that that is what we should sort of strive for like it, it, it would have hit home if someone had died as a consequence of her lying or something like that you know, something a bit bigger and monumental or, or, think, or if she had okay like said she did it like or she had lied like it doesn't even have yeah. to be something of i think that's my problem with the fact that she just seemed to be like shit how do i catch my horse oh there's a culvert essentially mm-hmm. right yep yeah um and and then and but then like robin wright acted like it was um a known shortcut in this race because mm. how else could she have done it it's like or she could have just missed her shot and not realized it yes yeah because yeah. from robert wright's perspective that's sort of either of those make sense mm. and i think that's another thing that i have a problem with like so Pacing-wise, and a lot of the things that happen in this film are like, well, this is what we kind of need to happen. A lot of plot armor going on. Mm. Um, and I think, uh, tell me, tell me if this makes sense to you. Um, it feels like, it feels very much like comic book logic in a lot of the scenes that where like, it's like, really? You're like, oh, that mm-hmm. happens in on, on colored pages. And it feels yes. like, someone saw that you were allowed to do those things in as a trade-off with your message or your theme on Mm -hmm. the page and so they try to do it on the picture but you you don't get to do that in fact that's why comic book movies from like 20 years ago 
were kind of not great was because they were they didn't adapt to movie language and like it feels like this is trying to be fun lighthearted, and hopeful like marvel movies but not understanding the movie part of the marvel movies very much very much there's there's lots of scenes in this film which which do that absolutely uh the the, the, the flying scene in the jet with with steve where they're going through the fireworks which just kind of like oh, i get i get the idea but blah. uh there's the where she learns where she realizes she can fly it's just like i mean there are so many of these scenes where it's just like oh okay cool that's happened now sure let's go that to the ha- next scene yeah, i was like that happened now sure is is a very good encapsulation of most of this movie for me um uh so i i was a big fan of the superman the christopher reeve superman movies mm-hmm. and this feels like i mean plot wise it feels like it's aping superman 2 the one that Richard Donner sort of half did. Yes. Um, with the like. I haven't even thought of that. Yeah. I mean, losing powers in order to be with your loved one is mm. the essential thing, but then having to sort of give up your, your happiness f- so you could fight the big bad. Mm-hmm. Classic, right? Yep. Cheetah is odd. Um, hashtag Cheetah is odd. Um, but it's also Superman 3, the terrible Richard Pryor one, because it's by someone, it's like a bunch of weird hijinks that's like really dumb because it kind of, it's like they have kind of contempt for, or, or a lack of understanding of comic books and movies. Like, it's like comic books aren't just zany, stupid things that don't make sense. Yes, there are some, but like, like there's all this plot armor and stuff is and like her lasso just does everything it needs to and like yeah, yeah. it's just it it feels so much like well like comic books do silly things sometimes so I'll just mm-hmm. do silly things when I need them it, like I really feel like it's it, it's the worst part of making a comic book movie comic booky even though I've been complaining for years that DC movies aren't comic booky enough speaking of monkey's paws I made the wrong way. <laughs> I think the difference is that with a lot of the DC movies, they had gone, especially with, with, with Batman being so successful, the, the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy being so successful, they've gone grit. It's, it's gritty, yeah. gritty, gritty. We need this slight grounding in real world stuff. And then there's a Superman movie and they go, well, it's got nothing to do with the real world. So we can kind of make a darker, a version of a Superman movie rather than a more comic book version, which is what it should have been. Uh, and then they've continued along that, you know, um, what's the one with all of them in Justice League? Um, yes. again, an- another film where they're trying to ram as much grit into comic book as, as possible whilst being over the top and not based on a, a, a billionaire lunatic who wants to yeah. fly around at night. Like, um, it's, it's like, here are these otherworldly and created beings. Um, but there's still just darkness and, and dirt and grit and death and pain. And that's it. Yeah. Uh, whereas as you say, Wonder Woman tries to step away from that a little bit. And I'm glad to see that change in direction. Uh, worked very well, yeah, in the, in the, in the first, uh, Wonder Woman film. Um, but lost a little bit here, I think. I mean, I think just because be- of, as you say, because of the editing and the, and the different scenes that kind of go on. Yeah, I think you've, t- you bring up a good point, which is like, 
one of the problems is, and it feels kind of forced, is that Batman, Justice League and Batman vs. Superman, both which had Wonder Woman in parts of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, exist. And one of the big points in Justice League was Wonder Woman was unknown in the 2000s. So yeah. that's why in the like really seemingly fun, uh, so the first scene in the real world is like a, a heist in a jewelry mm-hmm. store that secretly holds black market get- goods in the back room. Did you? I, I, I don't know. Is it a mall? Is it the eighties? There's no kind of scene shot at all, which would suggest that they're in a mall in the eighties as it's rammed in your face as yeah. much as possible. I hated that. I hated it. Yeah. I think, like, that, I think that's my worst scene so, just because it's like, we, we know, we know what this is. We know where you are. We know the time period. It's in the title. Yeah. So I think, I think, uh, Let's go with that point and then I'll, I'll follow it up with the other one. Um, mm, sorry. So, no, so much of that first chunk of the film and then especially with the montage, which was kind of funny with uh, Chris Pine's dress up. Yes. Was like, this is 1984, guys. And I get it because it's a fun, vibrant movie. Like the montage, I think, makes sense because fashion was weird and him mm-hmm. reacting makes sense because like there's also a really cool swap. Sorry, I'm derailing myself with um, Chris Pine being the fish out of water in this movie yes. when he was the grounded one and she mm-hmm. was a fish out of water in the other one. Yep. Like you can see again, like you can see these interesting parallels, but there's, it's kind of was that. And then he was fine basically. And then he was doing scouting around things and didn't seem to be confused <laughs> about tech or anything. It was just like, yeah, yeah. He, he's even the one who found his way into the compound. He's like, Oh yeah, there'll be a ramp. Like, how would you know the architectural and approach? He, and he can just, obviously all planes are the same as well, right? Oh. That's a different, we got a, I got a lot to say with that. Um, so anyway, uh, but like, that's enough to make fun of the 80s thing, but this was like, mm-hmm. what if every stereotype in the 80s happened in this mall? And it's like, you yeah. know, not everyone in the world dresses in the fashion you remember from a time. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of regularly dressed people. Like, and having like the people doing the aerobics outside or whatever, and then like four guys leering at them mm-hmm. was just like, I don't know why you're doing this. I don't know what it's doing for this film. It's like you're, it is still kind of trying to be a family superhero film. It's like, you don't need to show perverts in the midst of all this colorful shit. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, so, so, um, but that, so she has to throw her tiara to break the cameras Mm -hmm. because she can't be documented and they have to have the cutaway shot where the, the car that's crushed is being towed away and the newscaster's like, we're, rumors have it that, uh, the po- police weren't responsible. But then, who? It's like, motherfucker, there's like 300 people who saw her g- glowing <laughs> rope wing around everywhere. Yep. Like, if this is your way of solving the problem, you've solved it poorly. This, it felt so much like a Patty Jenkins wanted a hopeful female hero out and out and about, like the whole scene with the kid. Yes. But it's like, you can't do that <laughs> when then say no one knows who she is. And then extend that to the big how she wins is by being a voice for everyone. No one apparently in the in the thirty years that follow are like, I wonder who that voice was. <laughs> um such that Batman had no clue if she even existed. Like you don't get to like it just 
so messy. It's just like a messy yeah. band-aid. Um, okay, so we cut away a couple of things, but that's fine. We'll probably get it into them. So yeah, so so we have the the scene. We get the magic rock. It goes to where she works. We get introduced to Minerva, Barbara Minerva. Mm-hmm. Um, would you, so rather than I'm not going to go beat by beat through the plot, or just yeah. wanna. But what did you think of so her, her character and her transformation and her like arc? I think let's just sort of bumped into her. I think it's easier to go through the characters rather than the plot. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um. There, there, I've definitely got a sort of a hierarchy of characters that I liked in mm. this film versus Shoot, ones, actually, that I, give those. ones that I didn't. Uh, okay, so uh, I think my favourite character was Pedro Pascal's character. Yep. Uh, I then think it's Kristen Wiig um, as... Barbara Minerva. She's not a Thundercat. I was going to say Cheetara, Cheetah. but it's not that, is it? It's just Cheetah. Just Cheetah. Yeah. Um, it, her, maybe not so much then kind of... Chris Pine, but he has some good scenes. Uh, we, we're talking about him being the fish out of water. I think a, a, a yeah. few of those sorts of things are very good and well done by him. And then I think, unfortunately for me, down, right down at the bottom is, is Gal Gadot, who I, I just fell very, very flat for me through this. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of my, I suppose they are the four main sort of characters, aren't they? Uh, was there anyone else in this film? Maybe the, I mean, the, that's the sort of body one of my, swap guy, but that was really, sort of yeah. one of the things is it's actually quite a small cast for a mm. round the world trip thing, and I think it suffers for it. Mm. Um, although when you think about it, it's like oh, I feel like maybe Wonder Woman needed more time for us to care about her struggle. Yeah. Um, so maybe not. Um, but yeah, let's go in that order. Uh, I think Chris Pine will probably cover with Diana Prince. Mm-hmm. He says, realizing that he said actor with, uh, <laughs> fake name even. Um, just cause I, I mean, he's, he's like the, the genie sort of character, like the sidekick, mm-hmm. help you go through things, but not be your yep. own person. Um, also because, yeah. Okay. So, uh, in that case, let's, uh, let's, let's, so Pedro Pascal, do you want to give a quick, Quick description for those who maybe haven't seen it or haven't, don't care to watch it but want to hear us babble. Yeah, um, so Petra Pascal plays a character called Max Lord, who is a, a kind of, uh, as you're led to believe kind of at the beginning with a couple of the scenes, this sort of failing entrepreneur. Uh, he's a TV personality. He's trying to get lots of money to dig for oil. Uh, and a lot of oil over the US, basically, um, in lots of places where oil, whilst they thought it was there, has all either dried up or hasn't been discovered. Um, he's having trouble with um, his sort of like his financiers and, and people like that. But he has, for some reason, knows about this stone, which has been discovered, which was part of the uh, one of the items taken in the heist. Um and he wants it. He wants the stone. So I think he goes through the the character goes through a very good transformation from sort of being this kind of guy at the start, which is presented as someone quite um, sort of confident, very out there, um, to seeing a little bit of his sort of um, his own issues, seeing kind of where he would like to be, and then just allowing that power to kind of once he has it to just take hold of him completely, and the way that he kind of. Um, goes through just wanting more and more and more. And then at the end of the film, his sort of, not redemption, but his kind of way back to 
um, way back to being like a human again and, and not on this all-consuming issue that he then has, I think works quite well. I think his arc through this film is my is my favourite. And it's Pedro Pascal plays it very well. He's he's hammy when he needs to be. He's angry when he needs to be, and that comes across really well. He's, uh, you know, the the final scene um, for him um, with his son is is quite touching. You no, know, he 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 kind of reflects on what he's done suddenly. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like it that is clearly like what the movie wants but i also felt Mm -hmm. like it was kind of messy because he really isn't in the film that much we don't like we don't we just we know he has joint custody yes yeah um and i think maybe it's like because we only ever see him already trying to prove himself Mm. that you don't get a sense like it almost feels like he's just like i know I should to be a, like he has this idea to be a good dad. I need to be the biggest and the best, and then mm-hmm. somehow pass that on to my kid. But you never get a sense of him actually caring about the kid. Sure, yeah. So that by the end, you're like, and I just care about you so much. It's like if well, he feels very much like an idea mm, of a child get, and how to be, then like actually, because again, there's just it's so messy, and I'm sure there were extra scenes shot. Because the, it just, again, I just mm. get this feeling that more happened that we just don't know. Um, because yeah, Alistair's just kind of there. Mm, I don't know if this is me, me reading into a scene a bit too much, but there is the scene with uh, where he's kind of taking wishes off of everybody. Um, so the the idea is that he has got this stone. It's a wishing stone. He wishes to become the stone, the entity that powers the yeah. stone. So then people can wish through him. And as we, and, uh, so as you mentioned, so, it's sort of a, that monkey's paw type yeah. thing. So he will grant their wish, but take something that he wants from them. So he uses it to, he wants, he wants oil to be a, a very good businessman in the oil business. So he goes to, uh, um, a, a guy who has a lot of oil and grants him his wish and says, I will take all of your oil. Yeah. Uh, but there is a scene with his son where they sit on the sofa and his son wants to wish something and he stops him from doing it. And, um, he, it's kind of that moment where he's going around just taking wishes off of everyone. He's like, Hey, what do you wish for? So he can take what he needs to. Yeah. And he, he makes suggestions to people about what they should wish for to, to advance sort of, uh, his path. Um, but with his son, he's very much like, he doesn't want that to happen. Um, and there is an element of him not, he he very much says to certain people like I don't have to take anything from you you know you yeah. can make your wish and I won't take anything um and so, his son does make a wish i think yeah. it, sort of towards the end of that scene and obviously he doesn't mention taking anything from him so oh. i think there is there is a little bit of an element i think at least in that scene which just does show just a bit of caring between oh, the between the two See, I read that scene very differently. That's super mm. interesting. Cause the way I, the, because he like, he stops the son from wishing and he says, don't waste your wish. Yes, he does. Wish yeah. for something bigger, better. Like he's, he's, this is why I'm saying like he, fe- it feels like the kid is a prop in his lifestyle, in mm. his life. And unfortunately the movie ends up making the kid a prop in the same it way. Yeah. Which is so weird to me. Cause they're like, it feels like the movie doesn't know really the lesson it's trying to say he learns. Because the kid has like almost no depth and just says cliche lines at the end, 
and it's even even the decision at the end is kind of cliche but he says don't waste your wish you need mm-hmm. to wish for what's big and better and best that's the way and then at the end of that scene he goes i wish for and he goes don't and the kid already says my dad's greatness or something along those lines yes yeah yeah um, because he says, what you want is this thing. Daddy is trying to do this thing to get this power. And he says a specific phrasing. Uh, and then he goes, I wish for, and he still tries to stop him. And then he's just relieved that the kid has wished for something for him. But yeah, it seems he like he's relieved that the kid hasn't wasted his wish. Well, and I, and I think it's, it's, it's one of those where the, the first wish the kid was going to say was, I, I wish want to be with, with you. I wish yeah. I had, yeah, I wish I was with you all the time. Something like that. And he stops him and say, he, he does say you should wish for something. But the first thing he says is don't wish for something you already have. Which of course he doesn't because he barely sees his kid and he's avoiding Exactly. Him. But, yeah. but in his, in, in, uh, in Max Lord's mind, he is already giving his kid, he already cares about his kid, at least in the way he comes. And there's, there's some trauma around his childhood, yeah. which we see sort of later on, which obviously has affected this relationship and and his just view of the world and things um so it, it, it kind of yeah i can i mean there's lots of scenes we can probably both read very differently yeah um but i i think that's maybe the one that sticks out that we've had two different takes yeah. on probably um super interesting I and mean, again and i think this is this is sort of why, why i'm saying like there's an interesting good film somewhere yes. in here and yes i, I put a lot of like, so I, I've read a lot about like Star Wars and how, um, the unsung hero of the original trilogy is, uh, George Lucas's wife at the time who did the editing. Okay. Um, because apparently a lot of what he shot was really messy and she like <laughs> edited around it. And I feel like this is the inverse of that where Patty Jenkins did so well with Wonder Woman that like Disney's like, yeah, do your thing. And yep. no one was there to like rein in some of this or like get rid of some of the bloat and tighten it up. Because obviously some of the, like, again, and I think there's just too many threads happening. And so you need to put, you can't cut this scene because then this thread doesn't make sense. But you're like, oh, uh, but now none of them really work because it's yeah. too messy. And some of this stuff, some of these are, are not even seeable as threads. And I feel like this is a case of, or at least it makes sense to me that, like, the editing wasn't really as harsh as it could be because of the, like, what we know about the Hollywood situation with with this studio and and like mm-hmm. the fact that wonder, wonder woman was like hey maybe we finally figured it out patty knows what's up even more so than zach um yeah. but yeah so i so with pedro pascal's character he he suffers right he suffers mm-hmm. from the wish swapping or like or at least so it's not clear whether it's the use of the power that is making him die or bleed slowly or if it's just living as the dreamstone is too yes. much for him and again yeah, I, yeah. and i feel like that's a bit messy too because that's a thing i even though i don't want to be spoon-fed i want to know if it's his one of, which one of these is it just that he's granting wishes so fast so frequently on his lust for power that it's killing him and the only way to keep it up is to get more wishes to heal him or is mm. it that he only has so much time with the stone in him before he dies because he can't hold that much power because that that really changes the motivation and how you read Very the much. character and, and I, you just and don't know again there might be a scene on the floor where he there's a little bit more exposition given to the stone and to his want to get it you know, how did he find out about this why has he been researching it like crazy uh, this kind of old stone, which 
they find out has been almost at the fall of every Everything. big civilization, which has had a catastrophic end to it. Um, and it, it, it kind of, there, there, there needs to be some kind of slight link there, which would have explained that a little bit better and given you a bit more motivation for why Pedro Pascal was looking for this very specific item. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And like, I also felt like this have to be the downfall of all these civilizations. This have mm. to be this huge thing. Uh, but yeah, so he started out trying to like start an oil cooperative and failed miserably uh-huh. by buying bad land, essentially land yeah. with no oil. Uh, and then just Ponzi schemed his way around hoping to figure himself out. Like, first of all, in 2020, it's really hard to be sympathetic to someone who, even if he had good intentions, still did those things. But I think the yep. movie does a good job of making him sympathetic, but I don't like what that means about, like, white-collar crime being mm-hmm. seen by the viewer as not super terrible. It's like, it's not what's bad, it's like what he had to overcome and he how he overcame it was bad, and we never yeah. confront the shittiness of this corporate guy mm-hmm. and liar and, like, willingly betraying the trust of many and and cheating at the yes. system. Yeah. And it's like in the 80s and the subsequent few decades, boy, did people do this type of cheating. You're aware of this. Why is that another thing on the cutting room floor? Or did you just not care because 80s was the setting? And so you're like, ah, I know, oil. And not yeah, think about yeah. what it means to <clears throat> tell this story now. With him as a sympathetic villain who has reform, but mm. not do anything about the people who just lost everything through him. It's just super weird, right? Like, and again, this is what I mean by the weird, like, myopic comic book get away with it sort of like broad stroke brush movements. Um, so, uh, where was I? Yeah. So he gets the power. We're not sure why, what's traveling. It'd be basically. He, Needs to figure out how to grant wishes more quickly so he doesn't die is essentially mm-hmm. what it seems to be roughly. Uh, and he finds out when he takes over the White House, which again, it really feels like, I don't think he wants political power. And it's, and then he goes, I treat me like a foreign nation. Me is a foreign nation. And you're like, that's yes. like politically, what does that mean? How is that wish granted? What is like, he's a person or is it, is that saying the land he has in California that's now Hit, have, has all this oil as its own annexed area. No, again, it's just like a throwaway thing that I feel like the, the, the writers, uh, and production team are like, weird shit happens in comic book movies and no one, t- like, questions it. Like, yeah, but there's a comic book, so no one questions it. But, you, but people do on movies. Yes. And it feels so stupid. Like, like, honestly, so many of these bits, like, as small wishes are just like, but how does that work? And I know I'm like a, I'm a logician and so I want to see the structure, but I also think like it just feels dumber than I'm being too pedantic. Mm-hmm. And also mm-hmm. it's like just for the plot, cause he needs to get to the White House so we can find out the, the satellite that he's, he's like, it's, it seems like if he wants to be the successful oil baron, he, it's like, okay. All my wells have come up, but I want more. That makes sense. The whole point is I want more. I want more. It's a critique of the 80s success, secretly yep. the critique of the success that's, uh, excess that has been there since. But it's like, okay, oil. Then he goes to get more oil from the, the Saudis, and that backfires on him. And you can see that progression, and it feels like, again, they're just like, I don't know, maybe the president because he just wants power now. Uh, but that feels unearned. Yes. 
So he gets the satellite. Now he can reach out and touch everyone, which also, fuck you. Do you not know physics? It's like, oh, the particles on this magic thing, because it's like the Star Wars satellite, is the particles actually go reach out and touch them. And it's like, so because he re- hears it's like touching them, he can, because he has to hold their You have to be holding the stone, so in this case, holding his hand, when you say, I wish blank. Mm-hmm. Oh, a rule. A rule we all have to follow in this movie that doesn't have rules. And then it's like, but you can just say broadcasts, like, photons interact with people. You don't have to say this is a magic satellite. All all satellites do this. Okay. So, uh, so I think I've rambled enough. Do you want to go through the, uh, since I'm, we're basically going through his plot, the, the big climactic scene, I think it would be worth Tell us a little bit about it and what you thought about it. Because that's the end of his arc, basically, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's lots of stuff involving um, Barbara as well through this. Yeah, know, well, I'm so I think we'll, we'll, we'll flip back, but I just mean the Pascal. And, yeah, so Pedro Pascal then goes to this secret island space where they have this broadcast system. Um, and he, he, he basically gets everyone to help him broadcast himself going out across the world because it can go into every single electronic device ever. You know, it's on your little calculator and everything. Um, and gets people to, to ask wishes. So all of these people ask wishes. Stuff starts to go to absolute carnage. You know, people are wishing for random things and lots of people are wishing for much more armament of nations. So missiles just start popping up all over the place. Uh, and that then antagonizes the superpowers who essentially fire on each other. And this is kind of the big climactic thing is him getting people to wish for things because he wants more power. And he's like, I'll have, you know, your health, I'll have your prosperity, I'll have your yeah. strength, you know, all those things that he's taking for himself because he just wants people to wish for whatever they want. We, you know, he's not thinking of the consequence of those wishes. The consequence is nuclear war. Um, so the final kind of scene is him stood in the center of this broadcast thing, uh, with the, the truth rope, with the whip kind of around him. And then, um, Diana being able to then broadcast her talking to everybody and saying, this is the truth. It's all about the truth. Tell everybody the truth. Um, and he kind of, I, I don't know, he, he sort of, I, I don't know the turning point for the character really, where he kind of goes, I need to renounce, you know, oh, I it's, renounce it's when my, he, he, my wish. Um, so, so I, I can tell you that part, which is, um, or at least what I, it seemed to me, which is like the world is falling apart. She's talking about it. He's made aware of oh things. And then he looks for his son, but his son is, Somehow wandered away from the office into the middle of this weird. Yeah, he ran out of the office because it was being invaded by people. Yeah, right? and then so but he, he made got... it all the way down the highway to like a big turnpike, so he's not near any screens mm-hmm. or radios, and so he says, "I can't find Alistair. I can't find Alistair. Alistair, where are you?" Um, and then she keeps talking, and then he flips his script. Yeah, so yeah. it's very much I'm doing this for my kid. Oh wait, I can't find my kid. Yeah, and where she's is talking he? About yeah, how yeah. there's consequences. Yeah, anyway, mm-hmm. continue. So, yeah, he has that kind of, that, that moment. And then he just sort of renounces his wish and flees and, and goes because he needs to find his, his son. And everything, you know, the missiles that have already been fired explode in the air and things start to Which, disappear off of the maps and stuff. And everyone's just like, Oh, 
Oh, okay. I suppose it's not happening anymore then, sure. Why, yeah. Why Except not? it did happen because Alistair's still in the middle of rubble and stuff. Um, and so this by far, so the lasso is worth its own little chunk, but this mm-hmm. kind of defies logic in the meta sense of the series that it's ostensibly a part of, like the universe. Yep. And, and also just what happened? Because mm-hmm. it feels very much like they're, again, Superman 2, except in Superman 2, it defies physics because Superman just flies backwards around the, around the world to spin it backwards and that changes time. Okay, that's fucking stupid, but maybe that's a rule of physics in this world. It's very hard to suspend your disbelief if you know anything about physics, but that's just a thing you chuckle at, right? Mm-hmm. You're just like, he, that shouldn't be how you turn back time. But you sort of buy the deterrent back time. But in this case, it's like, how does renouncing my wish for more nuclear weapons? Because no one's wishing for new things, right? How does, so, the president, it's like, I wish I had more nukes so that I could, I, I, I wouldn't have to worry about being on par with the bad guys. Oh, yeah. Right? And then they see them the more, bad they, guys. yeah, they, the Soviets see those and say, they have, they have secretly made so many more nukes. That's like, launching a nuclear weapon because it's aggressive so they launched a nuke that is literally the the claim mm-hmm. his, his president's advisor has which okay that's not how mutually assured destruction works you, it, it's not like oh we were always equal we always had the exact number totals and then if the, at any point someone had one more i would have launched the nukes and killed everyone in the world it, it, it it's again so stupid it just thinks so little of the the actual politics mm. and the viewer that, that, that you could just throw this stuff out it's like oh yeah of course then the soviets would get angry and launch nukes okay but fine so the president's renounces his wish so all the extra nukes disappear that he wished for yep soviets have already launched their nuclear weapons and those just explode well, I assume they must renounce their wish as well. But they I didn't the wish. General, well, they must have done. I suppose they must have wished well, that's for what I mean. more. So, so, they wished for more nukes. But yes, the nukes that already existed, which had then been fired, I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of led to believe, I suppose, that only the new ones were fired right, because but so they the were whole so point, much closer, but, even though one in Moscow was fired. And if you think about it, I mean, I haven't gone frame by frame through this film, but they launched the nukes before he does his big broadcast. They say they're going to launch the nukes. So they say they, they're going to. Yeah. Yes. So then, I think but, but, they do it during the broadcast. Right. But then they just happen to have launched, wished for new nukes to then launch. And if that was the case, those would disappear, not explode. And, and same I mean, thing with there, like, there's there's a sense of logic there as well, where why you know one of the people in Russia just goes, "I wish for the complete collapse of the United States of America." We don't need nukes. It's, it's well, gonna yeah, and I think that's the big problem is, is like, you're, the whole point is he's granting wishes we don't see and some of these would contradict and, but, or like the, the one, the Irish bit mm. really pissed me off because it felt like, like, that's a thing that happened in the eighties. We'll just reference Northern Ireland. Yep. Really hackneyed. I wish they, took you away and then they literally have cops rounding up Irish people out the window You're like, this is imagery you do not have the right to just like casually throw Absolutely. Um, but also this is where they're renouncing the wish 
undoing things really pissed me off. I wish you all got round up, rounded up. I wish you were dead. Okay, so he renounces because so Wonder Woman convinces him to undo the death of that lady mm-hmm. who somehow is still has paramedics working anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. So she didn't hear the wholesome message. <laughs> <laughs> of Wonder Woman, so she's yep. gonna wake up, and all the Irish people are gonna get deported in this new 1984. Like that's the story you've told me. Mm. That mm. what ca- causes everyone to renounce their wish is this message. So anyone who didn't hear the message has no idea that they can renounce the wish, or the wish could happen. Like I'm not saying this lady would wake up and still be vindictive against Irish people. I'm saying she has no idea that that what that exchange is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, no point does it wipe people's memories. So now the whole world knows a wish thing happened. They also know that a mysterious female voice talked to the world. Yeah. But no one thinks there's a female superhero. She's still a question mark by the time Batman comes along a couple years later. Like, it's that kind. That's the really bothered me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it, it just, it felt so unearned and it really, to be honest, it felt like it's a female led, uh, superhero movies, so she needs to win by emotions. Mm, mm. She, so she, so basically she, what she did was, there's a man with all the power, and he's gonna ruin the world. So, I'm gonna do all the emotional labor for you, by telling you how, what empathy is. And then, you'll change your ways. <laughs> Which, I'm all for, like, hope and the truth and, like, not having a violent... Because my complaint about the previous movie was the end fight didn't seem earned. It yes. didn't seem to need to be a fight because it was about emotions. And this time, they did emotions, but it was... In, again, it was... I, somehow it still feels disconnected from what you want this type of message to be packaged mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like some people might disagree with me that, like, there's enough hope in the film that... It works for me. It just felt, it, it felt forced in a way that I can't super articulate, but I, yeah. I think it might just be that it was so messy that I didn't feel like he was really convinced. And also it was like, she didn't have to do anything but like lasso talk. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to put it. She didn't like share her own point of view. Like there wasn't enough depth on her, the presentation of her convincing people or her arc in the film to, to convince me as a viewer. That this would work, or this this was like a good way to climax a film, I guess. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, cool. Let's see. Uh, okay, so you also, so you liked Barbara. I, liked, I actually liked I, her more than Pedro because okay. of the problems of. So I felt like the kid was used too much like a playing card than a than a full character, and mm-hmm. and like and that and that different. I think the in, in, interpretation of that scene that we had different interpretations is probably what made me think barbara was a more interesting character yeah yeah and i think her transformation is quite slow as well you know through the first sort of half of that film uh after she's made her wish transforming into you know her discovering that she's a little stronger and, and those sorts of things is quite a slow build for that and then suddenly sort of more towards the end uh when she starts to lose her kind of emotional connection and her empathy and things like that then suddenly we go from her being you know, uh, good at kind of fighting and that scene kind of in the White House 
And then the idea that she wants to be this apex predator and suddenly she's completely transformed into a beast. Well, so, so, so that I think was poorly telegraphed by the film, Mm -hmm. but actually was in, was interesting about it was interesting. Yes. But so like she gets, she, she wants to be Diana specifically cool, popular, beautiful, strong. She says strong in a kind of like strong willed, but she ends up getting the strength, right? And she go, she, you get the sense that even if Diana was, hadn't traded her powers by accident to the stone, cause that's the Superman 2 thing, right? Um, she would have still been able to go toe to toe with Cheetah, like, like, like mm-hmm. the, the wish granted, like, Wonder Woman's strength and abilities, right? And she stays like that throughout the film after, like, it takes her a couple of days to ramp up to the White House level power level, mm-hmm. um, which nitpick number 47, um, these are the only wishes that don't really happen immediately is, so Diana gets, uh, Steve right away, but loses her power slowly. Yep. And Cheetah gets her powers slowly. And then when Diana gets rid of Steve, her powers come back like that. Instantly. Yeah. It, and it's, and again, it's, it's that plot armor of it makes for a better story if she's confused and why, like she suddenly gets shot and it doesn't, and it mm-hmm. doesn't get repelled. She gets kind of hurt and she's struggling with the powers, but you just can't do that. If everything else isn't indicated that way, right? Yeah. Like the wells, she's like, I want the wells to be successful. All of them strike oil within a phone call, mm. the time of a phone call. It's already happened and been reported and stuff. Then it's an instant thing, not a slow decline thing, but because it's more interesting, we'll just let these two characters have a more interesting path. I guess. Anyway, so, yeah, yeah. So, but, but Pedro Pascal says, Hey, Barbara, I'm feeling generous. Mm-hmm. If you had another wish, what would it be? And he can't give two wishes. And some people on the internet were complaining about why there's a second wish and there's not. What, because he gets, so what happens is when he's in the satellite room, he says, I'll take your life, blah, blah, blah. I'll give, she'll have your rage, she'll have yes, your prowess. She does, yes. And like, it's, it's, if you miss that line, you don't get what's happening, but she becomes an apex predator because she's gaining power from that stream of wishes really quickly. Mm-hmm. But her actual arc is like a couple of days of I can walk on heels, I feel badass, I look great at a party to as soon as she basically has like this sort of dark streaks in her hair as well, she's stopped improved, like she has all her power. Mm. And that's why at the end, you see, when everyone's renouncing the wishes, you see her not dead, and she's yes. reverted to that level with the streaks in her hair, because Pedro's renounced his wish, so he's presumably undone all the wishes he's granted. Yes. And so he's not the given back the rage and the apex wishes. predatorness. Yep. yep. Yeah. So, like, that actually makes sense. It's just, that's a thing you have to dig for, because it's mm-hmm. a little messy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so she... um She is um, almost too stereotypical librarian type. Yep. Supposedly mousy and ignored, but also really kind and kind of loud, which mm-hmm. I think is just better for Kristen Wiig to play. Yeah. I'm I'm fine with that, right? But it's just like there's no way no one knows who you are in the office. Like, um, and then she becomes popular and she's strong, and and you you get the sense that like I mean it's very tough. She, what she lost was her humanity and her brightness and vibrance, essentially what Diana tells her, but also what mm-hmm. you see, right? Like, the fun has been drained out of her. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, 
And that, and I think it's re- that why I really like it is because when everyone's renouncing their wish, you pointedly don't see her do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes sense because she gave away her humanity, and what made everyone renounce their wish was this call for empathy. Yep, which she has literally lost the ability to feel or tune into. Mm. Which is why she fights Diana and protects Pedro, even though he's destroying the world, because she just wants what she wants, and she's like. It's me, and if I can survive in this hellscape that you're making, cool. If I can thrive in it, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, yeah, that's why I thought hers was like the most three dimensional arc. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And part of that is because they didn't need to change anything for the ending, where everyone else's kind of falls apart. Because <laughs> her ending is is there is no ending. I'm just I'm not going to change because that's what my arc says. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I re mm. I, I really liked it, the arc. I liked the CG of her. I was surprised. Yeah, I like I I do like the uh, the way they used her outfit to to color her when she was then uh, you know in her in her cat predator kind of form. You know, it's almost like the coat had just absorbed sort of into it, and she took on the patterning of the the coat that she was wearing. Yeah, which I really liked as well. Um, there's a lot of CG in this that I don't like. Um, before we get on to Diana and and Steve, um, yeah, I think that's good. Most of the switch stuff to production. Most of the stuff around Diana when she's sort of running, um, you know, it's not her running super fast. It's her kind of running like this and just moving a huge. It's Twilight sort of running. I don't dis- know if you've ever seen Twilight. No, I haven't actually. No. Uh, so so the vampires and wolves all run really fast, mm-hmm. and I assumed it was just running on a green screen. Yeah. Uh, turns out, I'll, 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 we'll tweet this out, um, but I have a picture of it someone sent me earlier this week. It's an actual, like, treadmill that's being moved, so they can oh. run on the spot, mm-hmm. and it can move faster in, oh. in, in certain circumstances. Uh, I mean, some of it might just be a treadmill with a green screen, but yep. that, like, in, in, in Twilight, that's how they, like, made the background movements look realistic because it wasn't just a green screen, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, there's, but yeah, there's, there's stuff I hate that style. I think yeah. it looks rubbish. Like, I love the way they do super speed with the Flash and Superman in like the other DC movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you slow time down and you have them running. Yeah, and there's, so the, the, there's the, the Quicksilver scene the, the, from the X-Men film as well, isn't there, where he's running yeah, around that domed area. Yeah, so, yeah, and obviously she doesn't have super, super speed. She has, like, above Olympics speed. And I feel mm-hmm. like there's a better way to, like, portray that. Yeah, uh, Yeah, I also think that the there were bits... To be honest, this lasso started to piss me off by the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it sort of seemed like it, well, one, her lasso is of like indeterminate length in the comics because like these things are, but they like made it so it could extend to wherever she wants. Cause at some point she throws it at a plane. Yeah. Which is a long way away. Um, and you're like, what the actual fuck just happened? Mm hmm. And then the plane like kind of drags her a bit, and then she immediately lets go. And you're and like I get that swinging around the mall, like in that scene, I was kind of like, oh, it's longer than I thought. And then like she can like randomly split it to hit two people and grab mm. them. And you're like, that's a bit much, but okay. And then it keeps doing things like she can like poke people with it. She can like it's no grab it's lightning. Doing, yeah, I mean, I was like, it it did too many things, and like. Mm-hmm. The worst part is the 
it's a major plot point in the comics that it it's the lasso of truth. Yes. And the one time they mention the truth part, she makes Steve like grab it and then she flashback memories a little slideshow of this old warrior who helped them escape when man was like when they were to Themskria, Themskria, whatever you, yep. you call it. And that's a neat way of doing exposition, except that's the only time you, like, it's not, the lasso now also does magic picture shows. Yep, it's, um, it's, it's a knowledge of, it has all history within it as well. Yeah, but, I, I, yeah. And like, like, it isn't a projector, like, it's like, again, they didn't actually do the work. It's like, the lasso of truth, so it can show you truths. Like, no, it makes people tell the truth. And you know what? This movie could have really used some of that investigative, like, it would have been, like, it's a comic book movie. I forgave it, the fact that she, like, looks for the stone and then pulls the straw out of the box it came in. And there's an invoice that says Max Lord. And, like, the FBI delivered this to the Smithsonian or whatever. Mm-hmm. How did they miss that piece of paper? Like, I would have rather her, like, she could have had to, like, meet a guy and truth him to be like, who is this for? Yeah. So that so and then again uh, we talked about it. She she just like lassoes the ankle of uh, Max when he's walked into the beam of the satellite because the camera got broken. Also, doesn't make sense how that maintains his connection. Except again, visual comic book sci fi thing. There's a beam, so I guess he can walk into it because it looks cool, cool. Cool silhouetting of him. Yeah, but again, it's like just like this is a neat visual. Who cares if it means nothing? And mm-hmm. we won't even explain how. Like anyway. And somehow she can project her through lassoing his ankle while he stands in the beam. She can now talk to everyone on the planet. Except sure. Alistair, because he's not within yeah. range. <laughs> no one seeing a screen. Yes. Um, the last thing I'll say about that, hopefully, is uh, just because I, I, this like inconsistency or like really plot hammery sort of thing is the um he speaks in english but gets people to make wishes in all kinds of other languages Mm -hmm. which is very weird and at first you're like okay whatever they maybe they're just not thinking about languages but then in the renounce wish montage people renounce their wishes in all kinds of languages and you're like Fuck you, movie. Now you're telling me you know that language is an issue, but they heard it in the... Um, yeah, and, uh, but... Yeah, it's just... <laughs> this magic beam that can get to every screen technology, just being... And radios and stuff, and, like, none of those broke in the in the mayhem. So that every most wishes, I guess, so like it feels like it paints a picture of a bunch of wishes didn't get renounced, but enough did. Yes. So the world yeah. didn't collapse. But then we don't like then there's no repercussions in the scenes afterwards. Mm-hmm. Some people just got their wishes, and I guess they might. Pedro Pascal might have a better kidney than before. I'd like. I don't know. It, it bothered me. Anyway, so that was the Barbara arc, but mostly again whinging about inconsistency. It's. The messiness just bothered me a lot last night. Um, what was Wonder Woman's arc? <sighs> uh, 
Um, she's, you know, floating through life. She needs, she, she decides that she's going to start helping people. Uh, the, the scene at the start with the, um, the, the, um, on-site reporter saying this is, you know, one of six similar things that's happened in the last, you know, few weeks or whatever the line is, uh, that she obviously has decided she wants to start kind of helping people again. Um, she's lonely and she misses Steve. Of course, it's been what, 40 ish years, something like yeah. that. Um, was it World War Two or World War One? The first film must be World War Two. Uh, I think it's supposed to be. Wait, wait Captain America's World War Two, right? Yeah. So right, they made it. It was World War Two in the comics, but they made it World War One, right? To um, I guess not make it feel too like they're aping Marvel, but then mm-hmm. that's why all the weird science stuff and kind of. They do a lot of we're killing Nazis because they're German type things in that film. And it doesn't make sense because the Nazis mm. then were not the quintessential evil. And like you have a mad scientist and you're like, ah, they didn't do weird. Exp- sure. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah. So that, that, that was a complaint. But yeah, yeah. So, so it's been, it's been 65, 60 years, something like that. So she's, she's, you know, she's by herself. Um, there's the scene with her and Barbara, you know, she says, I, I don't go out much and things. And that kind of alludes a little bit to both her going out and saving people, but also that that's kind of it for her, that she's not really doing yeah. sort of much else. So she then wishes for Steve to come back and he does. And he steals someone's body, which is creepy as hell. Yeah. Um, so before I think that deserves its own thing because the end of the movie makes that very clear what's going, what went on. Um, but. So Steve comes back, his soul, I guess, enters a dude's body. He bump, finds her, tracks her down with the phone book and mm-hmm. stalking her, essentially, to this party. Uh, and convinces her with, by saying the things he said when she died, he died, and, like, doing the watch thing, that it's him. And then we do, a like, a 180 pan shot, and then the actor is replaced with Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though Chris Pine is shorter, uh, and they make a throwaway line. She's like, I, I, all I see is you later in the film, but like, we get it. He, he, while Chris Pine is in this body, he's supposed to be like that, but, I, uh, and we'll touch on why that's weird in a sec. So then they immediately realize that something's gone wrong and they have to figure it out, right? And, yeah. Yeah. And they, they globe trot a little bit to, uh, to, to kind of figure that out. And she ultimately realizes that she must renounce her wish for him to, to kind of be there. And he gives her permission as well, which I thought was a little bit of a, you know, it, it's not her kind of saying, he's saying we should do this. This is what needs to be done. You know, when it, it's kind of Diana has been that kind of pinnacle of, uh, morality and stuff previously. And she's like, no, I'm going to have this now. You're staying. You're, you're, you're going to stay with me. And he's the one that kind of has to talk her down a little bit from that. Um, but yeah, she does that and then goes on to do the whole truth scene with, with Pedro Pascal. Um, yeah. that's kind so of I think her, it- her, her arc is a little bit of, I don't know, kind of getting a little bit of something and then realizing that she has to be above the needs of normal so it, people. It's sort of not clear. I, I think it's so again, it's messy, right? Cause it's she, so she does this, like classic cliche. I give so many, I give so much, I give so much, I just want this one thing, why mm-hmm. can't I have it? But it fucking screams petulant because, like, this guy died 40 years ago and you're refusing to move on. And, yes. like, 
there, there's a stream of this movie which seems to recognize because Steve's like, there's a world out there, and there's yep. and you you get the sense that he's saying there's someone else. Mm-hmm. There, like, mm-hmm. like it feels like it could be doing that. There's no such thing as the one. Really interesting comment, like commentary on how movies are really bad at saying there is a one, but it kind of doesn't do that. Yeah. Instead, it's just like you have to deal with being sad, mm-hmm. which is also a good message. But because it's like jumbled between the two, it kind of just feels like she's like, yeah, you're like, or or is it that heroes can't have happiness? I don't know. Who knows? Right? Who knows? Like it feels like it should be about grief and moving on, and it mm-hmm. feels like he's pushing that. But she's just like, I want something for me. I don't want to just keep giving, and it could be both, but it doesn't do both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much. Yeah, and 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 so I I called him the genie character because like he's essentially just there to be to help her move on from himself and realize that she can be okay without him. But he has no fucking existential crisis about coming back from vague memory of heaven or having to die again. He has nothing but you need to figure this out. I'm okay. Like he is so purely fine with everything mm. and here just for her that like he's not a real character. Yep. Yep. Which yeah, is there's why no, there's I had no, him there's no sense. There, there is that sense from him in those scenes where he uh, is is astonished by certain things. You know, they go to the um, the the, is it part of the Smithsonian, Museum. the Aerospace Museum, yeah, and he's yeah. astounded by kind of aerospace. It makes sense. Good, good exposition for that character. For also, them. so also it reminds you that they have she knows him and loves him because she's like, this is where you would want to go. Yes, very much. It, it's very. It's like, a, hey, we should probably figure out why this stone was able to bring you back. Let's just have a little detour to the museum first and just go and see some yeah. stuff. And you'd be astounded by an escalator and the metro system. Oh, fuck. And- the escalator really pissed me off because, like, he's not an idiot. <laughs> he lived in the world of machines. <laughs> yeah. Conveyor belts definitely existed. They just were not as mechanical or mm-hmm. widespread. Like, or, wow, that's amazing, but being like, how do I walk down it? Like a child figures that out. He's a grown man. Movie <laughs> respect. This sort of like anyway. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but as, as we say, he, he just comes to the end and he's like, "There's no. I also want to live in this world. I want to be with you. Uh, I want to I, be with you." Is the missing part? I think yeah. he has no struggle with her love, which again makes it feel weird because it feels like she's loving the ideal of him. Mm. And like not really loving him because there's not enough him to love. I don't know. It's super. Maybe it's just because like I've my personal history with my own love life and stuff. But like and and people and pedestaling and whatnot. But mm-hmm. boy, does he not have a point of view? Except what's best for you? Yes, very much. Yep. Like I'm confused, and what's best for you? Mm-hmm. And he stops being confused. So, so. They make the invisible jet because that's a standard thing, but they also just give Diana the power to make things invisible that she decides never to use again, apparently. She didn't... I bet it would have helped in Justice League. I'm not sure, but it might have. Would have definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it's a cloaking device, not invisibility, because when we have shots inside the cockpit... Mm. um, It's a nice touch because he flew in World War I, so radar wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. That's a cool thing it's also um, a canon thing right she's got like a she has a cloaked plane 
Well, it's invisible. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's invisible and yeah. like to all the things. Yeah, yeah. Although hilariously in a lot of cartoons, it, it's her. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how you know they didn't care about authentic. Like, so I think they didn't. I think again, it's this no notion of comic books don't have to be tethered in real life. So we don't have to do a lot of legwork because no jet is a two seater side by side mm. like that. And that jet, that style of jet particularly. And it's like, ah, but we want them to be able to like look at each other and maybe hold hands or something. And you're like, this jet, what? And, and I think the pinnacle of that is like, Visually, it's like, oh, yeah, and it's the 4th of July, so fireworks. Oh, yeah. And she even goes, oh, yeah, the 4th. And he's like, oh, the 4th of July? It's like, nah, you have your Casio watch. It has the date on it. <laughs> also, you traveled through time, and you got in someone's body, and you cleaned his flat, and you looked around. And no at calendars. no point did you check the date to mm-hmm. figure out when in the world? Or you're like, hey, Diana, when you bumped into her. So what, what exact time period is this? Oh, mm. it's 1984. You, she you, you'd say that they, like, and again, there's no other telegraphing in the rest of the day they had that it's the 4th Completely. of July. Yep. And, and that's what really bothered me. Cause it was just like, you just wanted to have fireworks. Mm-hmm. And so you just said 4th of July. And like, so all these things, so it was at that moment with the two seater plane and the fireworks. I'm like, for fuck's sake. And I think that's when I just was like, I can't willingly hold back my disbelief on all these little things anymore because they just stacked up. Yes. And again, it, I think it might be a stylistic choice to, in this notion of comic book, but it really comes off as just not having any respect for your audience, I guess. Mm. It's so messy and there's so many things that don't really make sense. It's like, ah, but it's pretty. Yeah. And that scene is like, it doesn't make sense that they wouldn't know it's the 4th of July, mm-hmm. but it's pretty. And it's quite, a, for that element as well, it's quite a long scene. It feels quite a long scene as well of them yeah. just flying through fireworks. Yeah. Um, and again, it's not the particularly greatest effects. Mm-hmm. It does get the scene that foreshadows her learning to fly because like yes she's like i've never understood how flight works he's like oh you feel the air or whatever which i mean he fine. just he doesn't even say it's anything to do with thermals he's just like yeah it's wind and it's air and you just ride it and you feel oh, it yeah. and ride it that's yeah. how yeah cool sure everyone can yeah can fly so i i don't mind if it's a pilot waxing poetic but when that's what makes her figure out how to fly you're like eh, is it <laughs> so which brings me, I think we'll wrap up after this, but I think mm-hmm. it's, a, so you mentioned the, uh, lightning. Yes. Uh, so we were talking about CG and the flight learning thing was so weird to me because one, I kind of, I, at first I was like, she's, why are they making her Spider-Man with the lassoing around? And I realized actually, I like the way she has to traverse because she hasn't learned flight with the lasso. I think that's a cool thing. Yeah. It's the extendo lasso that made it weird to me because it made it feel like they were aping spider-man instead of like instead of just admitting her lasso's like let's just say 35 feet long max and then having to deal with the restrictions of that and then her breaking free of that restriction by learning how to fly right that would be a, a way to earn it but instead she's just like well i'm now learned to float but i haven't learned how to propel myself so i'll lasso lightning grab it and throw myself forward and like 
again, I feel like visually that looks cool. Like you could see the storyboard looking like a comic book panel. Yeah. And in yeah. fact, it might even be in a comic book panel at some mm-hmm. point, right? But it comes off in the moving picture really dumb. And it's, it's like three se- segments of her needing to lasso to propel herself. And then she just learns how to fly forward. And again, it calls more questions in than, than it doesn't, I feel like. But I think that is, um, the last thing I wanted to gripe about mm-hmm. it was more of like, like between the CG being kind of wonkles, uh, but mostly I think it's because you're paying more attention to it because you're like, wait, the lasso can do what? It can grab a plane from 35,000 feet in the air or whatever? Maybe 2,000 at this point, but you're like, and it's so that she, can finish learning to fly like you again it all stacks up to be like well this doesn't seem this seems unearned it does and um i've just i just had a quick google because the Hmm. um i I, when when the scene was on uh the song in the in the background for it i'm thinking this isn't this is from something else that the music for this it is from and it, it it is it is actually uh even though hans zimmer um, he, he has did the done, score. Has done the score. They've used, um, Adagio in D minor from John Murphy, which was originally written for the film Sunshine. Oh. Um, and it's been used in lots of different commercials. It's been used in lots of movie trailers as well. It's used in Ready Player One for a trailer. Um, it's been used in, um, Civilization Six. Oh. Um, as well, which is probably where I know I it was like, most from the, the, the now the, I know the, where you know it from. Yeah, the tray, the, um, the menu music for it. Um, and I think what that, it really took me out of the scene as well, because I'm like, here's this big scene where she's learning this thing. It's come from, um, you know, from, from Steve. She's, she's trying to take his words and learn this. And I'm like, this music from something else. This scene is not compelling enough to keep me in it for me to not notice that I know this music. Yeah, I was going to say two things like, okay, that might just be a you thing. But I also think you're right that like you noticing it is telling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. So um, I, I recognize that we are oh, a little over time, but mm-hmm. I, I did promise that we would talk and end the show with what we liked about the film because – I mean, especially me, once I got into those little things, because again, it was the little things stacking up that really bothered me. So yes. I felt like I wanted to explain why there, there were just so many of them, mm-hmm. how the stack could do that. But um, I'll go first so you can end because I feel sure. like I've talked a lot. Um, I liked the notion of hope, especially mm-hmm. in 2020. I liked the idea, like the message she says over the lasso satellite intercom um that's lsi um is really important and like really would resonate with what especially like the black lives matters stuff that happened in the summer um i think it was prescient that she because this was written obviously before and was in production before Mm -hmm. that they were trying to get that message out there that like other people's lives matter more than you getting what you want mm-hmm. and actually when the world is burning we need to get together um so between covid and black lives matter this is a very 2020 important thing um i like the idea again of of it it felt to me like they wanted to touch on like grief and moving forward yeah um and i think that's also very important and humanizing for a, a literal non-human character mm-hmm. um 
the nope i'm gonna that was gonna be negative uh it's just a, it's a shame so maybe there's a way to cut some of this more streamlined but i think it, it, the that movie would really have hit hard with me i guess that's the thing i want to say is like this like hope and people coming together triumphing i could see people loving this movie because they need to hear that message and it is giving that message mm. right uh and and maybe you don't care that it there's these weird logic holes or whatever um which great like i could see you really liking this movie and finding finding those really compelling uh and also the other thing is like, even in the amount of people the sheer number of people who passed away last year because of covid um i think also that like notion of wanting a lost loved one back mm-hmm. and then ha- realizing that you can't yeah um is a really good message that you we need all of the time but again it's kind of remarkable that both these messages are stitched in when that that film was finished like, was pre-covid right like yeah, that yeah. film was written beforehand and it's so important as, like in general obviously but it has been so important this year and it did like there were moments in this film that really hit hit like a lot of steve's speeches were like i don't i like when like especially like she goes uh like i'll never love again he's like i hope you do yes yeah like that to me was like the it sucks because it's like this weird emotional uh, failure of a Bechdel test kind of thing where it's like it's it's such a good line, but it's also in service of someone else. Mm. Like, so he's still not a three dimensional character, but he's saying a really good message, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I think that that really resonate resonated for me for various reasons, but also I think is super important, right? Like, and again, it 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 has this notion of right love stories in Hollywood. If you like. If something happens, tragedy or time, there'll be someone else. It's like, it's like the idea of finding out that, um, the lady on the, in the, in Titanic had like two ex-husbands in the time between the door and the end of the film when mm-hmm. she's old and, and can't remember much. Like that's, that would be really sweet and telling, right? She had, this is her great love, but she still had to live a life and to live a life, you have to move forward and yeah. have to. And you will find someone else. Compatibility isn't a one-to-one relation, right? Mm-hmm. So I really liked those pieces a lot. Yeah, and I and I think I I agree in um, in what you're saying, but also what we've said throughout this. There is a good movie and a good story in there somewhere, which could have been maybe a bit more streamlined, a bit more focused. Uh, my, my kind of positives were, uh, Kristen Wiig and Pedro Pascal, uh, that the, the arc of both characters, but the way that they were portrayed by them, I thought they were, they were acted very, very well by both of those, those characters. And those two sort of standout characters for me, even though they are the sort of antagonists of the, of the movie. Um, and yeah, the idea that there is something kind of, not greater than us, but there, that, that there is some kind of hope in, in the world when all of these things are kind of going wrong. And the, the notion that, uh, the population of the world or most of the population of the world decided to renounce what they really wanted for the greater kind of good. Um, and it, it just, it, it's all. <sighs> 
trying not to be negative. Um, yeah, there's a good message, which is bogged down a little bit. There's good characters, which are hampered slightly. Um, but I, I, as we say, there's, there's something good in this film that just needed to be edited and portrayed slightly differently for it to be not a great film. I don't think there's a great film in there, but there's a good film in there. Yeah. Um, and, and it's fine, right? It's fine for not all films to be great. It's absolutely. also fine to yeah. like this film and rec- and be like, those are, those things you brought up, cool, but I don't care, right? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, I, I lied. I said we'd end on a hopeful note, but we have to at least acknowledge that, um, the body swap thing is creepy oh, yes. as all hell, oh, yes. and there's a bunch of commentary online, so we don't have to, like, enough people have talked about it, but basically, they have a bunch of sex capades and adventures and risk this dude's body continuously throughout this film, uh, and then he gets his body back mm-hmm. when the wish is renounced. And it's one thing to do all that and not acknowledge it, which is shitty, but, like, they put a hat on it because at the very last scene, well, is Christmas time all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they just they just do a time skip to Christmas so that they can have kids throwing snowballs and Diana being like, haha, you hit me with a snowball. I don't care. Look how nice I am. And then the dude shows up mm-hmm. and she like kind of hit on compliments him and he graciously leaves because he's not a creep yeah um <laughs> i just think that was quite good i was expecting i was expecting a line from him but he didn't he's just well, like see I, ya. I feel like she kind of wanted it too and it didn't happen i thought that was actually well done mm. but he does not recognize her so yes. he has no memories of this mm. and and it makes you really think about that move that again they could it's a magic stone if you're going to make all these ascientific concessions to this particular thing has particles that touch people, even though all EMF goes through people and touches them in the requisite sense. And if you didn't think all EMF did that, there's no way to make a thing that did that. Like, yep, yep, really. Yep. Um, why would you make this choice? Like, audience, just think about what it means for a body to be taken over used for physical danger and sexual escapades and their memory wiped. And to do that and acknowledge it at the end by him not... It's not a question that he didn't remember it because all that other stuff is still terrible, but it somehow makes it way worse Mm -hmm. that you very openly acknowledged he doesn't remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. I, I, that's just a thing that I think is enough to simmer on. Um, so that's Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> Out in cinemas now. Uh, yeah, so th- this is uh, released in the UK on January the 13th, which is, of course, the day this podcast has come out. Um, not when it was streamed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, so, if you wanted to disagree with us, our Twitter is, uh, Out of Lives Network, or just say why you liked the film and, and you yeah. know, and why some of the things maybe didn't, some of the things that hit us in a certain way didn't hit yours. Uh, you can also email us at, at podcast.outoflives.net, um, if you want longer correspondence, and we will chat about that on a future episode. Um, 
this we broadcast currently on Mondays at noon for Geek Out Weekly on Out of Lives Network. That's twitch.tv dot Out of Lives Network. Um, you can reach me at the Omniarch, T H E O M N I A R C H, and Ben at uh, at Nova underscore forty seven. And you sometimes do other things on Twitch on the Out of Lives channel. Yes. What, what are those? Uh, on a on a Wednesday, I occasionally play a game on my lunch break. Uh, I started Doom Eternal last week. I'm probably going to do another hour of, of Doom Eternal. It was fun, so yeah. why not kind of continue that? Uh, I think you do something on Tuesdays, though. Although this week will be a Wednesday. Oh yes, it is a Wednesday this week. So yes, you and I are joined by Lucy on a Tuesday evening, normally to have a few beers and talk about what we've been playing. Um, and in general, gaming culture or anything interesting in the news. If we haven't managed to play uh, anything, what is that called? That is called Tanked Up. And it is, <laughs> it is here on, uh, on the Twitch, on the Out of Lies Network Twitch. Uh, but it is in every podcast service, uh, and over on the Out of Lives YouTube channel as well. Yeah. So if that's, no matter how you're finding this podcast, you could find that other podcast. Yes. Cause it's on YouTube, Spotify, podcatchers, etc. Um, as we are a new podcast, uh, feel free to please do write, uh, rate, review, like, follow, subscribe, whatever the platform of choice is. Um, share, um, so that we can hit a broader base. And, uh, and of course, please uh, contact us, um, and share your thoughts about things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been a slightly longer than our usual hour. Um, but it's cause I whinge a lot, isn't it? <laughs> that's okay. Sometimes it's needed. We did a little bit as well with the, with the new mutants, uh, a few episodes yeah. ago. Uh, we seem to be doing something we love, something that didn't quite hit. Something we yeah. love, something that didn't quite hit. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know what we love, but we'll find out next week. <laughs> uh, for another week, I've been Adil. I've been Ben. Bye-bye. I, I don't know why I changed up the bye thing, but definitely threw you for a loop. Anyway, bye. See ya. <laughs> www.outoflives.net. <laughs>